0: You know, one of the things that I wanted to start off with, sharing with you guys, uh, is something that I really enjoy about my job. Uh, One of the things uh, is being able to just sit down and visit with everybody, uh, because that seems to be like one of the major responsibilities of a pastor. You think of just sitting down, having coffee, sharing a meal, and visiting with people, catching up, uh, seeing how things are going, uh, and seeing, uh, you know, how prayer is going in people's lives, and just kind of seeing the Lord working. Uh, in everybody's life, and, you know, I get to do that with most of you, uh, some more often than others, uh, but I try to be as regular as I can uh, by getting to visit with you, Uh, and what's funny is when I do visit with people, there tends to be maybe only one or two things that almost always come up. There's just a couple of common denominators when visiting with people. And as you might guess, one of the things that almost always comes up and the thing that everyone seems to have in common is really just hard work, Um, how difficult work can be. Uh, And I hear so many stories of dysfunctional workplaces uh, that cause people stress. Uh, I see a lot of stories about frustrating leadership. Uh, I see a lot of stories about inept coworkers uh, that just have a hard time uh, keeping up with doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you know what's funny is that as I'm writing this, like I know that some of you think I'm talking about you specifically, right? You're like, oh, Reggie's gonna tell a story about me. But I promise, this is actually a story that I'm hearing for almost everybody. I mean, everyone. It, it just seems to be this common thing that all people have. And if it isn't at work, there are another hundred things that kind of tug and pull us in a bunch of different directions that really wane on our energy and our patience levels, right? I mean, if it's not the work thing, then it's another thing and how we just don't have enough time or we're too stressed or not enough energy, You know, we all have kids that don't sleep. We have financial burdens. Uh, We just don't have enough time to recharge. Now, in our small group in uh, Arden Hills, we've been reading through Genesis. And as I spend more time visiting and connecting and collecting all those stories about hard work and difficulty uh, and things just really being bad in our places of employment, as we're reading through Genesis, uh, it just makes me see how truly real the curse is at that beginning of, uh, in Genesis about how the ground truly is cursed, right? We've been reading through that, and we learned that God says to Adam before he kicks him out, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to really toil. The ground is going to fight you as you try to make a living. And I think we came to a conclusion that that goes beyond farming, all right, that goes beyond us who actually grow our food. I think we've come to realize that God's curse on Adam and Eve as they departed really extended into how we're working in the world and how we scratch at making a living. Work is hard, and it's kind of supposed to be hard. Now, something that I think most of us understand, most of us who might f- f- uh, categorize ourselves, in a millennial generation. Something that we've been taught since we were young was to find work that was meaningful to us, right? That was something that was so grounded in us I, when I was coming up in middle school and in high school, was that you want to do everything you can to match your skill or a, a, with your passion so that you can create a career that didn't feel so much like work. work make, we wanted to find work that's supposed to make us feel like we mattered we're supposed to find work that fulfilled us, gave us direction that gives us value in reality. this is why that now there is a generation missing a generation missing of skilled labor. I think we know we know that we were talking about that, right there's just a generation out there uh, we're wondering where are the welders where are the uh, well we I got one <laughs> Where are the welders? Where are the electricians? Where are the plumbers? Where are the people who fix things? There's just this missing generation because so many of us were taught that we're supposed to go do the creative thing. We're supposed to do the things that really mattered and that were so important to us. Now, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the mentality of finding work that is fulfilling. But the truth is this. There is no job out there, and I'm talking career-wise, there is no job out there which you can derive all of your joy or all of your satisfaction. There's no job out there that's going to fulfill you the way that you think it might. No job will ever give you complete fulfillment. No work or context, or circumstances set in this broken, fallen, cursed world is going to make you content. Not the new job, not the new promotion, not if this employer left, if if these changes happened. Eventually, there's always going to be a next thing that is bothersome, that is stressful, that makes things not work. The ground is cursed, the people in it are broken, And our work is gonna let us down. So uh, Miriam's not in here. I like to use Miriam as an example a lot. My wife, Miriam, most of you know this, but Miriam uh, is a senior resident supervisor for ACR Homes. Uh, And she has for almost, I think 10 years now, uh, been a supervisor where she uh, is the administration and some personal care for people who can't take care of themselves. Uh, I think that's the simplest way to put that. And for Miriam, that's like, for me anyway, that I don't know if I could be any prouder of Miriam's work because she's taking care of people. In fact, she's taking care of people who people tend to like to avoid or tend to like put away. And so Miriam's work is all about giving voice and and taking care of people who might be kind of discarded. And so I find extreme, I'm extremely proud of Miriam's work that her life is dedicated to taking care of people who need help, and Miriam still goes nuts, right? Miriam has, to me, very meaningful work, yet, she still has employees underneath her that aren't reliable. Uh, She still has uh, uh, problems uh, with financing that comes from the state. Uh, There's just so many things that are still able to complain about in Miriam's work, even though it should be heroic and awesome and something to be proud of, but still there are things that don't make it all that great because you can't find your satisfaction in your job or in that work or in the career. As Christians who are called to a higher purpose than the work in front of us, we, as Christians, we have a unique blessing. We know where our true purpose is. It's not in the paycheck. It's not even in how well we do our jobs by getting new clients, selling more cards, uh, more cars, uh, managing even more accounts, uh, how many students you end up graduating. No, our purpose isn't in that as Christians. Our purpose is grounded in God so we can rise above the hardship. It's really important to understand that our purpose is not gonna be found in these temporary and worldly things. And so what's really neat is that because our purpose is in God, it actually gives us the ability to rise above the hardship in our jobs, our hardship in the trying work, in the dysfunctional workplace, the stress, the frustrating leadership, all of our inept co-laborers. Wouldn't you like to be there? I mean, isn't that something, a blessing that you want to take full advantage of? I know it is, because when I visit with a lot of you, I know it's something that you're really hoping for and inspiring to, to transcend the cruddiness of the work that just pulls us down. I know that that's something you want, to rise above it. Now, there's a scene in Acts that I want to focus on today, where we see exactly this. In our On the Move series, we've been chronicling the establishment of the early church after Jesus' death and resurrection. For the past few weeks, we've been following the apostle Paul, who is now on his second missionary adventure. In his possession, he holds a letter put together by the Jerusalem Council to be read in all of the new budding churches that he helped establish on his first missionary adventure. Paul is doing some extensive traveling, and we're going to pick up just before he heads into the town of Philippi in Acts chapter 16. In 16, starting in verse 16, we find that Paul uh, and Silas have now encountered a young girl who is possessed by a demon, of all things, and that for some reason, and this is a really weird study, for some reason, the demon that's possessing this young girl, gives her the ability to see the future and is telling people's fortunes. And she starts following Paul and Silas around, and she starts pestering them for a few days. And Paul eventually gets so annoyed that he exorcises the demon, and so the ability for her to see the future, it disappears. So it's kind of a weird story in and of itself, worthy of your own reading and meditation separate from today's message. Apparently, in that exorcism, it upset a few people, people who were making money off of her, because I guess there were people taking advantage of an ability to tell the future and to tell people's fortunes. And so when Paul and Silas exercise that, they people get really upset with Paul for kind of ruining the golden goose, right? The, the money-making scheme. And so they have Paul and Silas beaten up and thrown into jail in Acts chapter 16, 22-24. The crowd, the angry crowd, you know, that was making money off of that uh, young woman who could tell the future, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the uh, the magistrates ordered them to be stripped down and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them Carefully, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, this is going to end up being a situation that Paul and Silas become accustomed to being beaten up and then thrown into prison without any sort of due process, uh, just people chasing them and and throwing them uh, into prison and arresting them. Because of their line of work. (laughs) They're missionaries. They're bringing the gospel to the places that don't have gospel. They're trying to bring scripture to places that it hasn't been. They're toting on Jesus' name where Jesus' name hasn't been spoken before. And because of their line of work, they're getting beaten up, flogged, thrown into prison. That just comes with the territory. And so we're going to see this story happen several times more throughout the story of Acts. And we've already seen it a number of times being thrown into prison. But what I really wanted to pay attention to was the next handful of verses uh, in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. Because this here, I think, sets off a really amazing and unique set of events. In Acts chapter 16, 25 through 34, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Okay, remember, they are beaten up, flogged, they're in shackles, in stocks, and at midnight that night, they're praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, and so this is past midnight, middle of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God he and his whole household. What an inspiring story. I mean, how cool is that? This, the gospel has now transformed this jailer. Isn't that such a complete twist? That's not at all how it would be going, except for God. This is not the first time we've seen prison cells thrown open, shackles fall off, wrongful, uh, wrongfully imprisoned people. Several times now we've seen this in Acts, that Paul and Silas, is amazing that they would end up in the home of their captor. And he's cleaning their wounds. He's feeding them off of his table. And then Paul and Silas eventually evangelizing and even baptizing him and his entire family, his household. Of course, we've seen a lot of unbelievable, uh, unbelievable things in Acts already. We've seen that. Again, the shackles falling off of wrongfully imprisoned, prison gates flying wide open. We've seen that trick. God has done that one before. We've even seen sharing faith with the most unlikely of people, the person imprisoning them. We've seen faith seep into people that you wouldn't think would become believers. In fact, that's not new either. But in this passage, what particularly jumped out at me was how after being stripped and beaten with rods, after being severely flogged, and for those of you who aren't familiar with early century torture, flogged is being whipped with a cat and nine tails, several long belts strung together. Sometimes shards of rock or glass are a part of it, and they would whip these guys and try and wrap it around them and so that when they tug and pull, they'd actually take, and sorry for being graphic, some skin away from these guys. If anyone's ever seen Passion of the Christ, this is where you'd see Jesus being flogged before. It's a disgusting sight. And so to think of Paul and Silas having been stripped down, beaten with uh, rods, being severely flogged so they're probably bleeding and barely conscious. Then they're shackled and then put into stocks so that they can't even rest properly in the prison. And what do we find them? How do we find them after all of that? We find them praying and singing hymns in the prison. We find them praying And singing hymns. Isn't that a surreal picture? Isn't that, to me, it's surreal. I can't, it's so hard to imagine seeing two bloodied bodies praying and singing of all things together. Seeing these bloodied half-dead men in the middle of the night, in the middle of a prison, surrounded by criminals, singing. When I think of men singing together in the middle of the night, I typically imagine a drunken chorus Uh, in a pub. Maybe that's where you'd see uh, some singing. Not brutally beaten men enjoying the acoustics of a prison, finding comfort in the lyric of hymns. In the middle of their strife, in the middle of their stress, in their uncomfortable setting, they turn to God for comfort. Now they must be thinking, man, man, Paul, you can imagine Silas speaking to Paul. Do you think we chose the wrong job? (laughs) Or Paul saying, "I I don't know if this is worth it. Do you think that this is a good career path that we took? Maybe we can go home and sell insurance instead. If you're them, aren't you thinking that maybe you should have chose a different profession? Are you thinking that possibly? Or... Do you think that they understand that their job, their profession, is so steeped in God's purpose that they wouldn't want to be doing anything else? Even if the conditions get so bad that it might even claim their lives. I think that's more the scenario, that their purpose trumps the circumstance, they understand that that purpose is more important than even their lives. Now, I've heard questions like that asked by almost everyone at some point here. Do you think, Reg, maybe I should change my job? Should I change my career? Maybe I've made a mistake. Now, for some of us, change is good. You know, how long did we pray with Tony? For six months or so last year about that change so that he could make family ministry a priority and be home with the boy. That was a great change. And for some of us, change might not be what is our calling or what we're supposed to do. Because no job will come that offers full contentment, peace, or joy, right? Even though Tony has switched jobs, there's going to be hurdles in the near future that are going to be stressors, and there will be new and different things. Because no job can give us complete joy, peace, or contentment. But you know what can? Divine purpose can. God is the only source of a fulfilling purpose. God is the only place that you'll be able to find a truly fulfilling purpose where you can derive your peace and joy, purpose, and contentment. It only comes through God. Because even if you're strung up and you're bleeding, your job won't get you down because your purpose in God is what's lifting you up. That's how Paul and Silas can be beaten down, bloodied, brutally terrorized, and then they get strung up and then they're singing to God and they're praying and turning to Him. Now you could say, Reg, that's not fair. They're missionaries, that's their career, that's their job. Their job description is pure purpose, right? And I'll grant you that. That's true. That is their paid profession. They are taken care of by the church, yes. But here's the truth. They are not more or less surrounded by people who need to hear the gospel or be encouraged in faith as you. There are just as many people around you in your workplaces, uh, at home with your neighbors, your friends, your family. There are just as many people around you who are in the same desperate need of mission, in the same desperate need of the gospel, in the same desperate need of the saving news of Jesus Christ. You may not be missionaries, no. You may not be missionaries, but you are missional, It might not be your paid profession. You might not be trained, went to school, have a degree in biblical and theological studies. No, you might not have that. You're not a missionary, maybe not. But you are missional. This means that although your wage may not come out of the church, the same commission that those men, Paul and Silas, lived by is the same one that you live by. It's the same mission. And you live by it also. And I love how God uses them. Again, we find these guys praying and singing. About midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. And I love the second half here. The other prisoners were listening to them. We could gloss past that pretty quick. But the other prisoners were listening to them. They probably couldn't help but listen, right? Here's a couple of guys singing in the middle of the night probably causing a racket. They probably want them to stop singing, but they can't help but listen. The situation is probably just as surreal for them as it is us trying to imagine it so long ago. You can imagine that these guys are probably discouraged guys. These are downtrodden guys, men who are worried about their own welfare. They are in prison also. But then they look at these guys who are even more bloodied up, beaten up, shackled and tied up, And they see these guys who are beaten, they see them singing to God. As Paul and Silas turn to God for comfort, the other prisoners see this, are witness to that. When you're at work, when you're at work, when you're in the thick of things, when you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth, do what you're supposed to, like Paul and Silas In comfort, turn to God. Pray to Him. Sing hymns. Give thanks, even if others are watching. Even if it's taboo. Even if it's something you're not supposed to be doing. I myself have been caught singing to myself before, humming worship songs. People have caught me doing that. When they see you hanging in there, even thriving in the difficulty, in the stress, when they see the good attitude in you, despite how cruddy things are around you, when they see that, your testimony only grows. Right? Have you ever heard this, that a light seems even brighter in the darkness? Have you ever heard that one? Right? If we turned off all the lights right now and I just had a little lighter, you'd be able to see that from pretty far away. But if we have all the lights on, and I hit up the, light, the lighters. the lighter is not nearly uh, as noticeable. A little bit of hope in that prison probably went pretty far for the prisoners who are looking to Paul and Silas, praying and singing. A little hope probably went really far. A little bit of positivity, a little bit of a smile, a little bit of a warm attitude in a place that's full of stress, full of difficulty, full of bad leadership, a little bit of positivity can go a long way. And our knowledge of that truth, that is what can bring us comfort. Yeah, you might have had a crappy day at work, but you're still able to make God look good. The other things at work or in life, fine, they may be crumbling, but in our faith, in our pursuit of God's purpose, we can take solace in that. In Colossians chapter 3, 22 through 24, Paul again, he says this uh, about an attitude of circumstance, profession, and hope. In verse 22 of chapter 3 in Colossians, slaves, listen to this, this is is such a wild setting already. He's talking about slaves whose whose work conditions are probably not that great. I mean, we're not talking about Southern American slavery that we we know in this country. It was a different kind of slavery, but it still wasn't that good. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. As working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ that you are serving I love this challenge here whatever you do work at it with all of your heart I see I mean even if it's social media for college even if it's working with pets, if it's in nursing, if it's in teaching, if it's with accounting, if it's for developing funds at college, you know, even if it's welding and designing, you know, even if it's managing accounts, even if it's police work, with all, with all that you, whatever you do, whatever it is, work at it with all your heart because you're not just working for the people in front of you, you're working for the God above you and I think that we can take solace in that, hope in that, Working in this fallen world is always going to be hard. A new challenge is always around the corner, and it's not going to be easy. That's not going to change. But as we turn to God for comfort, we can make our faith known, and God will create opportunity for your faith to be known. Look at the story. As they are singing, an earthquake comes. It provides an opportunity for escape for everyone The shackles fall off. The gates are wide open. I have a hard time understanding why the other prisoners didn't simply run. Why didn't they just all make a dash for the open door? I don't get that. Now, in my head, as I try to imagine the scenario, I wonder if they're able to recognize that it's Paul and Silas's God that has done the provided miracle. They see Paul and Silas singing and praying All of a sudden, there's an earthquake and a miracle. They know that it's because of Paul and Silas themselves. So they look to Paul and Silas to see how they react. And it almost looks like Paul and Silas aren't rushed. They're not panicked. They don't immediately sprint away. Instead, they're able to save the jail. They hang back and see the jailer about to run himself through with his sword. And they stop him, saving his life, saving his soul who probably at that moment didn't like his job either. Now I don't expect there to be an earthquake in your workplace, I don't don't know. Maybe there will, maybe there won't be. But there are a lot of kind of hopeless moments at work where you have the opportunity to shine. For certain though that I know that there are moments of panic and stress and those are the times where you can shine, where you can be a light, where you in your cool, calm, contented, God-given demeanor you can provide witness. Now, I'm praying that this week, that even in the stress-soaked halls of your workplace, that you will have opportunity to sing hymns, to be able to pray, to allow your reliance on God, your purpose in God to shine. Jesus himself says this about your faith in his Sermon on the Mount. He says this, and glorify your father in heaven. You know, our faith isn't something that's meant to be kept to ourselves. Especially in the dark places where light is even more important. And so as Jesus says and as we wrap up, I just want you to see this mission for you guys this week. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Let's pray. God, I'm really thankful that we get to read these amazing adventures of Paul and Silas that we are able to take from their example of bravery and obedience uh, where they go to dangerous places. Uh, they take your gospel. They take a mission. They, they go on a, a, an adventure of planting new churches. And, and Lord, even though it's dangerous and scary, you know, they forge ahead. And even in places of danger, of anxiety and stress where bad things can happen, Lord, I'm thankful for their example that they turn to you for comfort, that they sing still even when things are going wrong, not going the way that they expect. Father, I pray that in their example, your, your Holy Spirit would convict something in our hearts that even though we are in places that are pretty bad also, not prisons, but we feel like we can be shut in and stuck, and sometimes feel like we've got nowhere to go. Um, I pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would convict us in Paul and Silas's character, that we too would be able to turn, find comfort, find purpose, find our joy uh, in, in in spreading the gospel in those dark places. You know, not caught up in the work that's in front of us. Instead, Lord, that uh, our our hearts would. Uh, transcend uh, our, our daily work lists, uh, and instead would be grounded in, in a divine mission uh, set forth by your son, Jesus Christ himself. So God, grant us opportunity this week that we'd be able to shine in these dark places and, and, and that, Lord, we'd be able to rely on your son, Jesus, even more so uh, to carry us through these difficult times. I pray these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.